We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast. We're recording late Tuesday night, December 8th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Alex, we are now exactly two weeks away from the start of the NBA regular season. We get preseason action beginning on Friday. Um, I, I think it's going to be a pretty weird preseason. I, I don't think, you know, the NBA preseason usually doesn't have a ton of hype and for good reason, but I don't even know if the average person knows that the preseason begins on Friday. And, you know, even though we have like Kevin Durant playing for the first time in Brooklyn and Steph Curry returning and John Wall returning, it just doesn't really quite feel the same. Um, And I I don't know like how much of a glimpse we're really going to get uh, of a lot of the things that, you know, a lot of the questions that that we need the answer. Yeah, I think a lot of times we can like point to the preseason and see how guys roles shape out right to some extent, like on new teams, like how is them, how are the minutes going to shape up in Charlotte, um, other teams, but this year, yeah, with guys absent because of COVID guys, you know, guys on the teams that went deep into the finals resting, like LeBron and AD 
I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron plays no preseason games, maybe one. But I think there are going to be a lot of guys resting more than ever. And I don't think we're going to learn as much in this preseason as we would have normally. I think LeBron is going to set up like an entire mini bar at the end of the bench during the preseason and just be like blackout drunk by the end of every single game. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about, about the Lakers specifically. I mean, we, we already got some word from, from their camp on Tuesday that LeBron and AD likely won't play in the preseason opener on Friday. Obviously not a surprise at all. I'd be surprised if those guys play at all uh, in the preseason. And, you know, I, I think, you know, for some of these players, you know, Draymond Green, James Wiseman, you know, we think the, the Warriors haven't officially confirmed it, but we, we think they're dealing with COVID right now. A lot of these guys might not even have the option to really participate in the preseason, which means you're essentially hitting the ground running. You know, if, if you test positive for COVID today, you know, you're out of commission for the next 12 days. And that leaves like a day and a half until until the first game of the season. So it's going to be it's going to be wild. Um, it's going to be crazy for us, you know, having to track preseason lineups and guys, you know, being ruled out, guys being ruled in. It's going to be absolutely insane. And unfortunately, I think this is going to be kind of a mini preview of of what the regular season is going to be as well. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think to some extent the like I think having a lot of preseason games theoretically isn't a great idea, right, because of the potential for getting covid. But I also think the NBA wants to see how the teams and the players do with this over like three or four games before really just straight up jumping into regular season games and getting things going. Cause who knows, like we could three days or, you know, three days after the first game, we could find out, you know, there are guys testing positive for COVID and they play with another team and it just starts the whole, um, it just starts the whole snowball again. So this is going to be like, a, you're right. The casual person will not be watching this, but it mm-hmm. will tell us it will from a, like a COVID perspective will probably right. tell us a lot. I have read a few doomsday type of pieces the last couple of days that I, I didn't realize people are so down on, yeah. on this season. You know, there, there were some of like, I, you know, I guarantee the season, you know, ends up being canceled at some point. Like, I don't think it's going to come to that. I mean, we've, we've seen baseball and we've seen the NFL, you know, kind of navigate through this and it, it hasn't been extremely smooth, but look at the end of the day, this NFL season has felt about as normal as it could. I think, you know, Obviously, you had Lamar Jackson, uh, the reigning MVP, miss a game last week. But outside of that, you know, most of the key players on most of the key teams have been available. Uh, there hasn't been this, you know, incredible rash of injuries because guys didn't have a preseason. It's felt like a pretty normal year. And, you know, the NBA is, is obviously diving in at a time when cases are, are at their highest. But I, I think the NFL, you know, which you're keeping track of 55 plus players per week, plus, you know, significantly more coaches you know, a much larger traveling party. And, you know, they've done a pretty good job of, you know, seemingly kind of keeping players and, and staff members disciplined when they're away from the facility. Because I, I think that's where the real concern is, right? You're, yeah. you're not necessarily worried about a player somehow getting COVID at the arena during a game. You're worried about the player getting COVID at a at a bar at 2 a.m. and then transferring it to the entire team before a road trip. Yeah, this is why, like, the rapid testing and testing guys every day you know, is really going to kind of save, I mean, probably save the season to some extent. Yes. It would be um, impossible without it. Yeah. And then just, you know, if a, if a vaccine becomes viable, just making sure every player gets it, like no questions. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that will also be really important. Yeah. The vaccine thing, I, I, I've said this a number of times, but for those who, who may be new to the pot, I, I am not a 
doctor. So when I speak about <laughs> vaccines, it is not an absolute. But that that's the thing that I feel like it's I mean, somebody somebody got the vaccine today for the first time. I, yeah. I read it this morning. It was in it was in Europe, but you know, eventually the vaccine is going to make its way here and and NBA players won't be at the front of the list, but they'll be getting it before you and I will. So, yeah, I think that is something that's on the horizon. Um, I don't know how much of a, you know, ultimately like a final solution that would be for the NBA. You know, like I, I think if you get the whole league vaccinated, I don't think you just go back to everything being normal, but you would think it would certainly help and, and at least alleviate, you know, some of these doomsday concerns. Yeah, yeah, I don't, they probably still wouldn't be able to do that many fans, you know, until there's kind of like a, a herd immunity amount of vaccines in the world. Right. Um, but it would at least make things easier for the players and just for the, the league at large. Right. I mean, the fans thing at this point is just a bonus. Um, yeah. You know, it would, it would be excellent from a viewership perspective. You know, it's crazy to go back and watch, you know, every now and then I'll just, you know, watch playoff highlights or, you know, a full game on NBA TV or whatever it is. And like, it's been so long since we've had that, like the, you know, the atmosphere is so much better and, and the bubble was fine and NFL games have been fine, pumped in crowd noise. You know, if the alternative is no games at all, you'll take this a hundred times out of a hundred. But I think we're going to like, if and when our fans are back, whether it's sometime this season or, or maybe next season, uh, I think we're going to be reminded like just how much more that raises the stakes, especially in the playoffs. I'm kind of interested, like I, if football doesn't have this issue or this kind of dynamic as much, but if there's only like a thousand people at a basketball game or 500 people at a basketball game, even if you're in the mid row, like if you're 30 rows up if, and you yell something, everyone can hear you. Oh, yeah. Right. So I'm kind of interested to see what the dynamic of like the 500 to a thousand stadiums are. If you can like hear the occasional mm -hmm. fan yelling, what the dynamic between refs and the fans and the players will be. Because that's right. just, you know, you can hear stuff anyway, but that's a whole separate, like, dynamic. So the Warriors got a plan rejected by the city of San Francisco, which is, you know, they're in, like, the top 1% of, of stringency when it comes to the virus. But they, they were trying to have, like, 10,000 fans in the arena. And, it, I mean, their plan was was pretty high concept. You know, you were going to, I think they were going to rapid test, like, every fan coming into the arena I would be shocked if if another team tries this in a, in an area where the restrictions are a little more relaxed, you know, because it's going to be an advantage. Certainly, if you, if you can have even if you're allowed to have 25 percent, you know, having 5000 people in an arena when another team can't have any, I, that's something of an advantage. And I mean, we know how competitive a lot of these owners and, and teams are. Yeah, like I don't know the hot spots and cold spots for COVID across the country, but like Utah Maybe somewhere you could do it, just somewhere where the population. I think weirdly Utah has been a hotspot. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking like Florida. It's not even about the hotspots. It's about like where does the government not care? Okay, <laughs> that's, that's fair then. Yeah. Um, I do want to take into account just briefly um, a memo that the NBA, it was initially kind of leaked and then reported later in the day on Monday regarding player rest. And you know, the more I think about it, the more I, I really don't think that much is going to change. But I, I thought it was interesting, given that, you know, the league kind of had to convince a lot of players to start the season early. You know, if, if you're a, a Miami Heat or a Los Angeles Lakers player, you're having the shortest offseason in the history of any professional sport. And then the NBA comes down and says, like, look, we're, we're not we're not easing up on rest. You know, um, they, they did kind of issue a, a brief follow-up uh, in that memo uh, about the Lakers and the Heat specifically saying that those teams will maybe get a little more leniency. But I, I kind of thought that we could maybe bake in like 10 missed games for, for most star players, if, if not more. And, you know, the league is saying, 
one, we don't want you resting players on national TV. That's nothing new. Two, we don't want you resting any players on the road. And three, we don't want you resting, even if it's a, an acceptable situation, you know, let's say a home game against the Hornets that's only on local TV. We don't want you resting LeBron James and Anthony Davis together. I, I understand, obviously, why the league wants this. This has kind of been the goal the last few years. I, I guess I just expected there to be a, a little bit more leniency for, for this specific season. I did too. The road games thing kind of surprises me because you would think that if anything, you would want to rest someone and keep them in their the home market, right? And not have them right. get on an airplane and like, cause that just increases, you know, your chance of, of catching something. A team goes on the road. They're probably, I don't know if they're more tempted to go out, but they're in a hotel room. So that, that, that aspect of it's strange. Well, the other thing too, with that is if a player is being rested, the NBA it, I don't know if requires is the right word, but is strongly advising that the player be visible to fans. So, you know, they have to be at the arena and preferably on the bench. That's crazy. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, that, is that's that, is crazy that really, if me. you're, if you're a, put yourself in the shoes of like a 15 year old kid going to see LeBron James for the first time. And then you find out an hour before tip off that he's not playing. Hey, but he will be sitting on the bench. Is that any consolation for you? No, are you just going to stare at him the whole time? Like yeah, the, right. the, the, I understand that you have to do some things for marketing and for brand image, but like just making sure that like LeBron is in a suit deep on the bench in Charlotte or like, you know, Cleveland on a Tuesday, just because you want him to like be there. So fan, the 200 fans in the arena can just like look at the back of his head and the, they can pan to him on ESPN be like LeBron's resting. What's he got in his coffee cup? Like, right. I just—it's ridiculous. So, what, I mean, what do you make of this? Uh, obviously, I, I don't think that you read the—I could be wrong on this. I don't think you read the entire 134-page document oh. that the NBA threw out yesterday. But I, my take is just kind of like, look—they do—they do this at the beginning of every year, and every year, like only one or two players or teams really get fined or reprimanded. You know, usually. I mean, basically what it comes down to is if, if James Harden says, hey, my my hamstring really hurts tonight, I, I can't play. Is the NBA really going to like do whatever work they have to do to prove that he could have played, you know, and, and spend the resources and then find the team? Like, probably not. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, teams have gotten pretty good at if you need to manufacture a reason to rest somebody, you can do it. Yeah. And I I mean, I think. I saw a fine. You could, they could get fined up to a hundred thousand dollars for most organizations. That's nothing. I mean, they throw fifty thousand dollars guarantee. You get like exhibit mm -hmm. ten guys who they're they know are just going to end up playing in the G League, right? They do that every right. year. I will say the fine is at least one hundred thousand dollars, but still, oh, I, I, I mean, it's not like they're going to find a team twenty million dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably just to stop uh, someone from doing like ten games in a row or something like that because that would just get excessive. But yeah, I think. I mean, I hope they would be more um, lenient and it's kind of surprising they aren't. I mean, maybe, I don't know, if you really want to rest the next day, you can just, I guess, pretend you got hurt in the middle of a game, you know, go to box someone out and just pretend you pulled your arm, exactly. like, you know, I, oh, my shoulder. And then you just yeah. sit the next day. My last point on this is uh, teams that are on national TV a ton are, are now somewhat at a disadvantage. Like I, I went through and looked yeah. at, so we only have the first half of the schedule the Lakers are on national TV. I think it was 17 times. It was like 42% of their games are on national TV. And if you also are not supposed to rest players on the road, I, I ran the numbers and that left seven possible rest games for <laughs> LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And you can't rest them together. So 
You know what I mean? Like it, all of a sudden you start narrowing it down and it's like, look, their teams are going to violate this. They're going to find ways around it. And then the flip side of that is if, if you're the Hornets or the Cavs and you have no national TV games, you can basically rest players whenever you want at home. Right. And the national TV schedule is kind of weird anyway. Like the Pelicans have more national TV games than the Bucks. Yeah. And so it's like, but they're probably going to want to rest Zion at points. The Hawks have like one national TV game and they have a deep roster. So maybe they're just at, you know, an advantage. I don't know. There's the season is going to get very weird. This is a season to expect weird things to happen. Mm. It just in general, but also in fantasy and in betting, like it's, it, it's going to be things. I want to say things are going to get out of control, but I don't think anything is going to run as smoothly as anybody hopes that it will. The NBA season is almost here. That means fantasy basketball draft season is already underway. Test your skills against some of the best fantasy players in the business by joining the Rotowire Online Championship for your chance to win $10,000. That's $10,000 American. You can play against Rotowire experts like myself, Alex Barutha, James Anderson, Shannon, baby Kevin Love McEwen, and even Ken Kreitz. I have a draft coming up this week. Very much looking forward to it. Can't wait to grab R.J. Barrett in the third round. Hopefully he's still there. This will be my fourth year playing in this contest. It's always one of my favorites. Year in, year out, it's the most competitive league I play in. You're really never going to find guys who aren't setting lineups, aren't bidding on free agents, you know, not doing the things that any league manager should do. Really never a concern with these NFBKC leagues, which is awesome. If you think you have what it takes, sign up now by visiting rotowire.com and clicking the $10,000 Rotowire Championship link it's right on our homepage. You can't miss it. Speaking of things getting out of control. Yes. James Harden. <laughs> he did report to Houston on Tuesday. Uh, that Kind of a surprising move considering he, depending on who you follow and who you believe on Twitter, appeared to be at a nightclub in Vegas like 18 hours ago. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, we don't need to run through the details of that situation. If you're listening to this, you're, you're aware of what's going on there. I don't think James Harden has changed his stance. I think everything, you know, there was a story from Woj on Tuesday morning uh, indicating that Harden still wants to be traded. Uh, and, and the, the, you know, the, the real news item in that story was that the 76ers are, are another team that he would consider as if he were a free agent and had this choice. So it, it's, it's such a unique situation because, well, he's not a free agent. Well, he, he's under contract for this year and next year. And then a player option for 22, 23, He's the type of player and, and the type of person, you know, as we've seen over the last few days, that if you ship him to Sacramento, you wouldn't, you can't just expect that you're getting, you know, the James Harden that we've seen for the last six seasons. You know, I, I think there's, you know, this certain element with him that it's like, I, I, you could trade me wherever technically, but I will only, you know, there, I think there's a chance that he's basically subversively threatening the Rockets and other teams that, look, if you trade me here, I'm not, I'm maybe not going to give 100% effort. It's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of an unprecedented situation. We've seen yeah. trade demands before, but this is he's taking it to a whole nother level. It's tough too because he he's he knows that he wants to so he wants to be triggered to contenders, right? He wants to be triggered to Brooklyn, he wants to be triggered to 76ers. Other contenders have been thrown around as an option. Like so he's trying to get triggered to a team that already has another star player on it, which I understand, but it's a pretty short list. Like only They're, seven teams had a better record than the team he was on last year. Right. And then if they trade their second best player for <laughs> right. him and like young and all their depth and all their, and you know, so it's, it's tough. Like there are other possibilities. 
that you can make up. You can make up plenty of trade scenarios for Harden that make sense, especially if you have like three teams involved. But a lot of those are are him going to like rebuilding teams for their rebuilding pieces. And then Harden, like you alluded to, doesn't want to play for the Kings. He might not right. want to play for the Bulls if he is like if the second best player in the Bulls at that point is Kobe White. Um, right. So this puts it's just it's a it's a rough situation. And he's like basically tanking his own stock in the NBA by right. being so like belligerent, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, at, at risk of sounding like, you know, an old man, I, I'm with you on this. This is the, I think this is a really the first time that I've kind of felt strongly about that. You know, I, I think a lot of people got on Kyrie Irving and, you know, for forcing his way out of Cleveland and, and Anthony Davis, of course, for, for getting out of, uh, of New Orleans. But I think to be so brazen about it and, you know, to not, to not show up, like at least the Anthony Davis situation was a mess. I'm not going to excuse that. You know, the, I, I think anybody who's angry about the way he handled that, you know, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I mean, at, at least Anthony Davis showed up. I mean, he, he was there, it was super awkward, but he, he didn't just like head out and, and hang out in Vegas. I mean, it's, it's really just kind of rubbing it in the face of, of the Rockets organization of, of Steven Silas, of, you know, teammates like what john wall like didn't he say they had a productive conversation like three days ago like what what the hell was that conversation it couldn't have been that productive you know it's just and like you said i, I don't think I, maybe some of these guys just don't care i think if there's anybody who just honestly truly doesn't care maybe it is james harden but i don't think these guys realize like the damage to their reputation you know that that, that they're potentially doing and and maybe the thought is like hey the the risk is worth the reward it certainly was for anthony davis i, I think unless you're a pelicans fan Nobody talks about that anymore. You go to LA, you play, you play super well, you win a title, it's all fine. Uh, but if you don't, I mean, this is a, a a pretty major stain on a legacy that's already, you know, somewhat in question based on how he's played in the playoffs. Right. That's a good point about Anthony Davis because nobody, like, he was going from a situation that had been bad for, you know, what was it, six, seven, eight years, basically. Like he had been a part of the team for a really long time. They signed him to a deal. They put around tongue of pieces around him it didn't work they weren't they had like one good playoff run right that mm -hmm. entire time Harden you know ba just basically taking a hold of the franchise doing pretty well for the most part and then being upset when it kind of all crashes down around him partially because of him in a large way because of him and Chris Paul couldn't get along I think that's still I mean if they had Chris Paul the past year like that mm -hmm. would have been incredible you saw what Chris Paul did this year I don't know man it's it's this is kind of like I've heard people compare this to like Kobe Bryant um, yeah. and his, you know, wanting out of L.A. I think that makes sense. Um, but th then they end up getting Pau Gasol. I don't think the Rockets right. are going out and getting someone for Harden and being like, now you can stay. Well, they did that the last two years. You know, like, right. who is, yeah. who's that guy? You know, like it, First, it was Chris Paul or before that, even it was Dwight Howard. And then it was Chris Paul and then it was Russell Westbrook. And I know none of those guys were perfect fits when you're talking about you know, a guy who's so ball dominant and hardened, but I think that's the root of the issue. You know, all other guys who have forced their way out have usually not been the problem themselves. You know, I, I think you could even look at like LeBron when he left Cleveland or when he left Miami, you know, it was like, look, I've given all I can here. You guys just haven't put anything around me. I've, you know, the, I've, our team just haven't been good enough to win. I don't know that that's really the case with Harden. You know, it's, it's more so been, the team has been good enough. It hasn't been, you know, 2017 Warriors dominant, but it's been good enough. Like teams have, teams have won titles with lesser supporting cast. And, you know, the common denominator has been you not playing well when it matters most. 
And I, I don't know how just forcing your way to another team solves that. And I don't think the organization ultimately is to blame. I, I think they've put the best possible team around him, given the circumstances. No, I, I completely agree. He's been to the playoffs. He's, I mean, he's played it's he's played 85 playoff games with the Rockets. Right. But right. he the problem is he gets worse in the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. he is since joining the Rockets, 42 percent from the field, 32 percent from three in the postseason. 4.4 mm-hmm. turnovers to 7.1 assists. Those aren't good numbers. Um, right. So it's it's tough. Um, and as dominant as he can be in the regular season, it's like these teams that were around him were mm-hmm. better than LeBron, the, the LeBron teams a lot of those times in Cleveland, like you were alluding to. And Right. And like um, for them, like where's the, you know, where's the trading Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas move? Where's the not re-signing Malcolm Brogdon move? You know, like there's there seems to be this like, uh, ill will toward the organization. I, I just don't know like what this team has done that would produce those feelings. I, again, I have no idea. All right, let's look into potential trade possibilities. I've put everything on the table here. Uh, we know about the Sixers. We know about the Nets. We don't have to dig into those. Their packages, I think, are pretty clear, ultimately, what, what they can each offer and, and their benefits and, and drawbacks of both. I've divided the remaining contenders for James Harden into four tiers. So we'll start with the actual possibilities, and that does include Philly and Brooklyn. And I'll throw two more in there. I, th- I think the third most likely team as of right now is the New Orleans Pelicans. You have okay. Zion Williamson as an attraction for James Harden. You're not you're not putting Zion Williamson in a Harden trade. You have Brandon Ingram, who you could potentially deal. You have, you know, maybe not like another fantastic young talent on that team, but you have uh, several recent draft picks who uh, at least are fairly appealing. You know, talking guys like Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You have Lonzo Ball, if he's at all appealing to Houston. Um you have, you know, the Steven Adams contract. I don't think you could trade that right now, but you know, if you need to create money, you could throw that in there. Like they have, they have an interesting combination of young players, veterans, high money players, low salary players. And then on top of all that, all those future Lakers picks that they got back in the Davis deal. Yeah. I've, I've heard that one thrown out there and I think it, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I just, I don't know the, I think as the Pelicans, you're worried that he just doesn't want to be there, right? And that, like, him and Zion is just, it's not going to be enough. Um, like, it's not, he's, he's not going to want to stay. And, like, there'll be a, they should be a playoff team if that were the case. But the team around them, again, would be mm-hmm. awful, right? Um, right. Well, that's the like, danger with the situation. It's basically, like, trade me somewhere where I can I have a great chance to win the title this season or else. <laughs> right. That, that, that leaves you... So few, right. so few choices. And and the I, risk all lies with the team that's trading for him, which is also unique. You know, like for the Rockets, it's like, look, if, if you're willing to give us Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, yeah. Josh Hart, and four first round picks, like that, that's your problem now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I was the, if I was Houston, I would do that. Oh yeah, um, that would be a great trade. I just would that would make me nervous. Yeah, I, I can't say if I was a if I was the Pelicans general manager that I would do that. It's it's tough. Yeah, you you weirdly you almost need like a free agency type of agreement with James Harden. You, you need just like a you need him to sign something that says like I will try. Just like the, <laughs> the Timberwolves had Wiggins. Just all he had to say was I I will try to get better, and yep. they gave him the max. All right, the fourth team that I'll put in this category, the Chicago Bulls. I yeah, think, why not? I, Zach Levine, I, I think to 
certain talent evaluators is probably really valuable to others, not so much. But you have that. He, you know, he's on a near max. You have the Otto Porter contract as an expiring. You could throw in if you need to. Maybe Kobe White. You know, you have Sadoransky, who's a decent role player. One of Wendell Carter or Laurie Markkinen. You have the number four pick in last year's draft, Patrick Williams. And ultimately, I don't know if this package like beats what the Nets could offer. Or you know, ultimately, I, I think if you can get Ben Simmons, that's probably that's probably what happens. And and we'll see if the Sixers are are willing to do that. But I think the Bulls could kind of cobble together a similar type of package to what the Pelicans could offer. Yeah, I think I think you have to consider that if you're the Bulls. Um, swapping Levine out for Harden, you know, and just you would hope to get back like probably Eric Gordon, Trevor Ariza. I mean, if you are a lot of these, you know, basically bad teams, you would probably hope to get a lot of Houston's right. kind of veteran depth just yeah. so that he's kind of satisfied. Because otherwise your roster is Harden, Thomas Sagaransky and Daniel Gafford. Like that's your right. roster. You, you just can't. Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be no good for anybody. And the appeal for Chicago is you're you're instantly back to relevancy right away. You know, yeah. you have a new front office that probably isn't that's probably not the route you want to go. You know, you'd, you'd rather probably develop your own talent, but you are you are relevant right away. You're almost certainly a playoff team in the East. Um, and I, I think the city of Chicago, at least, is probably more of a selling point than the city of New Orleans for James Harden. Uh, well, you know, New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, it depends on what you're selling. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so I have four teams in my exile tier. These are these are like if you're Houston and you're really just kind of trying to, to rub it in on Harden and trade him to a place that he doesn't want to go, uh, these are the four possibilities. The New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Sacramento Kings, and the Memphis Grizzlies. This is like the Kawhi to Toronto Yes, the spite tier. I should have called it the spite tier, yes. The Knicks, ultimately, I don't know if they have enough. Um, I mean, you're building that package around R.J. Barrett, um, you're, you're basically thrown in the kitchen sink. I mean, it's RJ Baird, it's Obi Toppin, it's four future first round picks. This would just, the only reason they're included in this is because it's the Knicks and this seems like something that they would do. It's kind of the same case with Chicago where you're, you're just begging to be relevant and this makes you extremely relevant, you know, at the snap of a finger. Yeah, I, um, I cannot imagine the Grizzlies trading for Harden. I can imagine the Knicks trying it and I can imagine the Kings trying it. And to some extent, I think Travis Schlenk in Atlanta would take the call. The Grizzlies, I think they really like what they have and they are a team that has a very specific culture, right? Through Mike Conley, Marcus Saul, Tony Allen, that's kind of bled into the guys yeah. they've drafted. Josh Jackson, right. Right. Um, but the guys they're building around, right? Like Morant, Jaron Jackson, even someone like Valanciunas, I thought you were going to say Dylan Brooks. Well, you know, I, I just think that would, that would feel just so wrong. Wouldn't it? Talking to the Grizzlies would feel awful. Yes. And I I think this is probably the least likely of all these. And that's saying a lot because most of them are, are extremely unlikely, but I think you're, you're testing the water on how much Houston likes Jaron Jackson, who has been extremely injured over the first two years. (laughs) Um, and I mean, you, you, if you really want to be relevant right away, you trade Morant. And I, again, I don't, obviously you wouldn't do that, but that's, if you, if you're willing to put John Morant on the table, the Houston Rockets are going to be willing to talk to you. So that's why they're included. Atlanta, you know, a lot of, a lot of assets that you'd like, but maybe not love. Um, if I'm Atlanta, I would consider trading Trey Young for James Harden straight up. I don't, I don't think the Hawks would ever do that. 
Um, but I, I think James Harden with that team around him, I mean, I don't know. I like I yeah. I love a lot of the moves Atlanta made. Honestly, one of the drawbacks for me, for as great as Trey Young is, is can you actually win with a guy that small and that bad on defense? Harden is not, you know, Tony Allen, but at the same time, he's a hell of a lot better and a hell of a lot less of a liability than Trey Young. Um, again, I don't think the Hawks would trade Trey Young, but I, I think that's that's something that if I were if I were running the Atlanta Hawks, I would consider. I think you have to consider it. You go from you would immediately go to close to title favorite, like maybe under top four contender. You, you wouldn't be the favorite, but I think you'd be right up there with Milwaukee and Brooklyn in the East. Right, and. Yeah, I'm with you on Trey Young. I, I've, I, Trey Young has grown on me. I like him as a player, but at the same time, there are concerns about his height, his defense, stuff like that. I, I mean, if you if you have Harden and Bogdanovich and Gallinari and John Collins, and he's already played with Clint Capella, right? I'm saying um, I, I think like Trey Young is enough of a swing piece that you don't have to include half of those guys in the trade. Right. You should be able to keep John Collins. And you should be able to keep most of your other young guys, too, because Trey Young is really the only, I think, viable uh, single player that you could get other than Ben Simmons. Right. Well, the caveat with Young is the money. So you, you would have to include some of those guys just to make the money work. But, you know, and you, if we're talking league rules, you know, you'd have to wait, I think, to trade guys like Gallinari and whatnot yeah. for, for salary reasons. But you could make it happen. And it'd be a three team deal or something. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And. You know, again, teams don't make moves like that when you have a, a young star going into his third year. You know, it's just it's just way too risky. And, and I think especially for a team that hasn't been relevant for a while, it would be a wild move. But like you said, I, I think that that automatically vaults them. I, I would I certainly wouldn't make them the favorite, but you are you are definitely in title contention if you are essentially swapping out, let's say, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish and, you know, Danilo Gallinari's contract for James Harden. Yeah, 100%. You would be in that conversation um, with, with Milwaukee and Brooklyn in the East. And the last point on that, too, is I, I think that's a good enough situation that you're not super worried about Harden. That's what I mean. Yeah, 100%. He he should. He It's a city that he likes, right? Um, and it's a team that has some sustainability um, mm -hmm. in terms of, like, Gallinari will be good now. Bogdanovich will be good now and later. John Collins right. is someone that will continue getting better. And if they really need to, could flip him for another potential star, right? And really, like, really push mm -hmm. the pedal all the way down. Well, and here's the other thing with Atlanta is that team can offer James Harden playing his James Harden style. If you go to Brooklyn or you go to Philly, you know, you're fitting in alongside Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and, you know, whoever else. You go to Brooklyn, it's even more of a conundrum trying to play with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So I think if, if who knows if Harden still wants to play like that even, but if he does, I think that's a, another big selling point as well. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That's why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month Rotowire subscription when they place their first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website, and once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. 
Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Sacramento is on this list just because, you know, maybe they're still high on on Marvin Bagley. You know, I think that's that's where you start. Um, You know, I think Rashawn Holmes maybe has some value. Neither of those guys are going to move the needle a ton for Houston. But if you're willing to include De'Aaron Fox, that's where things get interesting and, and where this kind of becomes like the ultimate we're exiling James Harden to Sacramento deal. Yeah, if you if you're willing to part with Fox um, or Bagley, I mean maybe yeah, because they would they would want Fox. I don't think like Bagley, Halliburton, and Picks will get it done. Um, you know, I I just don't. That's another. If I'm the Kings, I just don't. I don't know if I do that, and I don't think Hargan would be happy there. I don't know if I do it, but the Kings are in the same category as the Knicks, right? Where it's like, <laughs> I, I hey, I wouldn't do that, but they sure might. <laughs> Yeah, they they definitely fit that bill. Yeah. All right. Tier three. These are the teams that take the call, but ultimately I think say no because it's just too risky. They're all they're already too good. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat, the Denver Nuggets. And this team, I, I couldn't really figure out where to put them, but I wanted to talk about them. So they're in this tier. The Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I didn't even think about the Suns as like a potential option um for Harden. Uh I I need a moment to even process that. I think if you're the Bucks, do you, I mean, do you only take the call? What's the situation in that you take the call? Who are you trading? I think you're trading Chris Middleton. Right. I think you're willing to trade virtually anybody on your roster except for Giannis. So it's just Middleton. I don't even know. I don't think, can they even trade Holiday this soon after he was traded? I don't know. I no, don't know all the rules. No. no, but I mean, theoretically, this deal could take place you know, after that deadline or, or at the trade deadline too. Yeah. I just, I just don't think the bucks have like the young players to, to get it done. Right. Um, I I don't think so either. And the the other problem is all your picks are now in new Orleans. Yeah. They don't have picks. Um, yeah, Yeah, it's not like this. Uh, yeah, the Celtics, I mean, you probably talk about it for Jalen Brown. Um, I don't even think you have a conversation about it if it involves Tatum. Um, and the heat, I just feel like he does not, I'm sure I'm sure James Harden would benefit theoretically from playing on the Heat, right? Hashtag Heat culture, um, get him in shape, have him play more team ball. But that was kind of also my argument for like him going to the Warriors potentially. It's that he doesn't fit, and that he right. would have to kind of mold the team, which is something that he just I don't think he wants to do. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of rough. Yeah, I, I think for the Heat, it's too much of a culture risk. I, although I think you could flip it and say, you know we don't get bossed around by anybody and right. any concerns we have about this guy showing up out of shape or not trying, like we're, we're, we're basically going to beat that out of him. You know, like he's, right. he's going to get in our, our system and it's not going to be an option. He's, he's going to fit in and we could maybe make him even better because he probably hasn't been in, in the greatest shape, you know, the last few years in Houston, I think with the heat, it's like, what do you trade? You know, you're, you're probably not giving up Jimmy Butler. I mean, if you're Houston, I don't know if you really want a guy at that age it it probably starts and ends without a bio, right? And if you're Miami, I don't I don't think you're doing that. Yeah, I think Houston would be interested in Tyler Hero 
and Duncan yes. Robinson and Kendrick Nunn and just like that entire swath of young guys. Yeah, it's just I still don't know if it's quite enough. Like I'd rather have so. the Nets package with more picks and more risk that the Nets, you know, kind of dismantle after three or four years. Yeah, that feels like something that's more of like a package you would try to do to get Bradley Beal or something. Um, yeah. Not Jay that's Harden. like a package you would trade for 2012 Harden, not right. current Harden. Yeah. I want to go back to Boston, though. I, I so I think it was on the Simmons pod this past week. He was he just like glossed over the Celtics. He's like, oh, they're not trading Jalen Brown. They won't do it. Like, this is James Harden. Why would you like Jalen Brown is not Jason Tatum. I love Jalen Brown. I think he's going to be really good. But I think he's like absolutely the type of player you would have to consider trading for James Harden. Yeah, if you put Harden and Tatum on the same team, that right. is, again, the roster around them would be questionable, but they still have Kemba Walker, probably. Um, yeah, and, I think so. Yeah. Um, and Marcus Kemba Smart. Tatum? I mean, the, the roster currently isn't all that great with Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart in Boston, right? I mean, yeah. I think yeah. you have enough. You'd have, you could sell Harden on that big three. And I I, that's so. essentially what you'd be going to in Brooklyn anyway. And Tatum is like the only kind of player that the only kind of other star that Harden like has not played with lately, right? He tried to play with Dwight, who was a center, and he tried to play with guards recently. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had like an elite forward, which I think is the kind of player that has to complement Harden, right? Um, right? Kind of an elite second ball handler forward who can play defense. Like, I mean, Tatum, Tatum would fit on any team in the league, right? I'm not saying like a right. ton here, but. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he did play with Jeff Green, but I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> and Trevor Ariza. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think if you're Boston, you have to take that call, right? Because I like Jalen Brown too, but I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's ever going to make an All NBA first team. No. So. Yeah. No, and he I, may right, never even make an All NBA second team. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I think especially. I mean, this Boston team should continue to get better, but it you know it's kind of ran its head into the wall the last few years in the playoffs and. I don't know. I mean, it feels like Boston is in on every superstar and then he gets traded somewhere else. And then we learn like, oh, man, they were they were one day away from from sealing the deal. Like, I feel like eventually they're just going to push their chips in and do it. And I know Harden like it's so it's such a unique situation, too, because he's like universally top five or six player. How many other top five or six players would you have to think this much about fitting into your team? Um, yeah, not that not that many, you know. I mean, you get you, if you can get LeBron James, you get LeBron James. If you can get Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis or Steph Curry, you just do it. Like you would, we would never be having these conversations about, oh, will will they try? Will they fit in? You know, it, it's it's just a really weird situation. Yeah, because like Jokic would fit in anywhere. Giannis, Giannis is kind of a strange fit because he, he his spacing, but he could play. I mean, he can play like three positions, so it doesn't. He becomes your team. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. you worry about that. Like if you get Giannis. Um, so what about Denver? Um. You know, I think they should take the call, but I don't know, man. Putting Harden with Jokic, it, it, it could be fun. I think it would be fun, but I think you also want the ball in Jokic's hands more than Harden would be willing to give it to him. And part of what Jokic makes so special, what makes Jokic so special is his ability to find people on off-ball cuts and stuff like that, and Harden is just not going to cut. He's just not going to play that style of basketball. He's it's It's a very... It's it would have to change the system entirely in, in Denver. I don't know if you want to do that. Yeah, Denver's in the same category for me as Miami, where it's like objectively, it probably makes you a better team. But at the end of the day, I think there are just too many other factors that that make it not worth it. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, they listen, they could put together, I mean, they could send Michael Porter Jr. and picks and, you know, they have options, right? Um, I don't think, I mean, maybe you give up Jamal Murray if that's what it takes. Um, but well, who, who would you rather give up? If you're, if, if you're Denver and you're like, all right, let's make a deal. And Houston says, we'll take, we'll take either Murray or Porter. If you're Denver, who would you rather hold on to? I, I'm still worried about Michael Porter Jr.'s injury situation. Yeah. I feel like you could, if you sent him and got Harden, you could end up winning that big time because Porter could just hurt his back and then hurt his back again. And then he's out of the league by like 2025. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I also, we haven't seen much as of like a playmaker for Michael Porter. You know, I, his ceiling might be oh, like yeah. 31 points a game, nine rebounds, like one and a half assists. You know, like I, I, I think he's going to be really, really good. I just, I don't ever look back. I don't think you know, a team is going to look back and be like, man, I cannot believe we traded that guy for an MVP than James Harden. Like, I, I think ultimately that would end up being a fair deal. Um, with Phoenix, again, I don't, I don't think this, this ultimately happens. Uh, the most obvious one is like you build a trade around Chris Paul, but if you're Houston, you have no interest in bringing in like a 36-year-old who you already had. What about Devin Booker? I mean, this is Phoenix to me is also in that category with the Knicks and the Kings, where it's like you just do things that don't always make a lot of sense. This would not make any sense at all, but James Harden is better than Devin Booker. <laughs> You'd be reuniting him with Chris Paul. This is probably the has the most comedic value of any situation. You can't poke him with Chris Paul again. That's no, my I don't that's so. the problem with this. You just can't do yeah. it. No, I'm half joking with that one. But I, I, the other guy I think is Aiden. Could you build something around DeAndre Aiden? Um, maybe. Um, yeah, you can maybe do that. But again, I Harden, Booker, and Paul on the same team is like that's. I mean, it wouldn't be that different from I guess like Durant and Kyrie in terms of like guys who all want the ball. Right. Right. Um, I think it would just it would create. A really, it could, that, I think that would create a toxic situation having those three guys on the same team. In this scenario, I think you're you're looking for a third team to take Paul. You're yeah. saying like, look, we didn't know this was an option at the time. Sorry, Chris, we would rather have James Harden. <laughs> We're just going to move you somewhere else. Like, I don't know. I again, very, very, very unlikely, but something to consider. All right, my final tier are the ask me again in a month teams. These are three teams that I, I don't think. I'm not sure which side says no, but I, I don't think a deal happens now. Uh, but I think things could happen between, you know, now and once we get a few weeks of the season under our belt that that could maybe prompt something. And those teams are the Clippers, the Raptors and the Warriors. The Warriors one, I can't get out of my head. I, I feel know. like I feel like they I just feel like they would do it because the window is so tight for them to win another title. And I as much as I think they would be OK with kind of letting Steph, Clay and Draymond just kind of like fade you know, kind of into like Warriors history, kind of like the the Celtics were going to be willing to do with like mm-hmm. Garnett and Paul Pierce before they were eventually like, sorry guys. Um, I think I'm still that one. That one won't go away for me. The Clippers, they're in a rough spot, man. Like as far, I mean, they're in a great spot because they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but the team chemistry issues, I don't think that's going away because you hire Tyrone Liu. And you get Serge Ibaka instead of Montrez Harrell. Um, and both Kawhi and Paul George, I think, have player options for next year. Or at least Paul George does. That's a lot of pressure on you. You're building a new stadium. Um, it would be nice to have James Harden in a new stadium, potentially. And the Raptors, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm a little worried about them this year. Also said that last year. Um, but... 
I don't know if he's like they have they have one of those like culture things too right. that I'm not they're, sure. They're the new Spurs. <laughs> they kind of are. They yeah. Are. I, well, so I think I think with with the Raptors, you know, the the sun is maybe setting on the the pipe dream of getting Giannis, and you know we'll see. Maybe, maybe that changes in the next few weeks, but. I think you're kind of looking for your next guy to carry you for the next five or six years. And I don't know. I mean, you'd kind of be selling low, I guess, on Siakam, who would have to be the the obvious swing piece in that deal. But, you know, you can throw Siakam, um, you know, Kyle Lowry, who's essentially an expiring contract in a year or two. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't love that deal for the Raptors or or the Rockets, really, because you're bringing you'd be bringing Harden on to like a, a pretty low caliber team. Yeah. Um, but Toronto is one of those teams that like, you know, there, there's been so many trades like PG ending up in, in OKC that came out of nowhere. You know, like I, I feel like the Raptors will at least like be in on this somehow um, with the Clippers. Like you said, it's the contracts, I think, that make it complicated, because if you're trading, it would, you'd be trading Paul George. One, do the Rockets even want Paul George? I mean, talk about a guy who's, whose stock is is at an all time low. Yeah, I think that's kind of a tough sell right now, although I think people have now probably gone too low on Paul George like he he was like the runner-up for MVP two years ago I mean he's, he's still a very good player um and I, I think he's better than a lot of the guys we've been talking about as like a main piece that you'd be getting back so you know there's something there you know if you could build something around Paul George um and if you're the Clippers and you could turn Paul George into Harden I think you'd do that in a heartbeat right you do that yeah I just don't think the Rockets want 30 year old Paul George as like their main I'm sure they would take it mm-hmm. but you would you, you he would need to promise to like resign with you right yes so that would be the caveat but i mean the other thing is like if if we were having this conversation last off season you'd be like oh hell yeah we could get paul george for james harden that'd be huge right you know like <laughs> things have changed so much for him that again I, th- I think it's gone too far into the negative and then with the warriors like you said i james messaged me yesterday and asked me about it and he's like would you would you include clay in a deal for harden and I, I just can't see them doing that. Like, that would be pretty ruthless. But at the same time, from, like, a business perspective, it look, I don't – I mean, I, I think Clay Thompson's going to be fine when, when he eventually comes back. But I also thought that three weeks ago, and, and look where we are now. Um, one, does Houston even want Clay? You know, I think he's more valuable to Golden State than he is any other team. And he's coming off of two very serious injuries, and he's in his 30s. So, you know, that, that starts to mount. But you can still offer your own future picks – the Minnesota 21 pick, um, you know, the Wiggins contract, if you need money, uh, Kelly Oubre, you know, as kind of a short-term situation that James Wiseman, like they have other pieces. Like it, it's not, it's not off the table. No, I think, um, I actually think including Thompson would be the, the Rockets would take, like they would take Thompson's contract. It would be a contract dump for the Rockets to take Thompson. Really? Okay. Yes. He's going to be 32 when he plays next, and he's coming off an ACL and Achilles. And he's owed $40 million a year through 2023-2024. Trading him for Harden would be a contract dump, basically. I, I don't think if you're Houston, you want him. I think you want Wiseman. I think you want Oubre slash Wiggins. Um, not, I mean, does anybody really want Andrew Wiggins? But those are the guys you would take plus picks, basically, right? Yeah, I think I think Wiseman is the guy you're targeting most, and that 21 Timberwolves pick. Those are those are the yeah. two crown jewels in, in that potential deal. I also think if you're the Warriors, it's just not worth the PR hit to trade Clay Thompson, you no. know, in the midst of this like horrific injury battle, 
and not only trade, it's not like you're trading him for I don't know, who's somebody that's like beloved. I mean, you're not trading him for Giannis. You know, if you're a Warriors fan, you would you'd be like, look, this really sucks, but hey, we're, we're getting Giannis. You'd be like, hey, we're trading him for the guy that like you've hated the absolute most over the last five years. Absolute impossible sell to the fan base. Right. Um, yeah, not that would not happen. <laughs> Comically bad PR move. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we got we have about ten more minutes here. Um, let's. Uh, actually, closer to eight minutes. So we'll have to make this quick. But let's let's run through some of the new offerings on the DK Sportsbook. Uh, they continue to add uh, player and team futures. There's a few new ones uh, that just propped up in the next or in the last 24 hours, I should say. Uh, so we've talked about you know title odds, and James and I are going to do the win total over unders or, or win percentage over unders this season. We'll record that on Wednesday. Uh, but let's look at coach of the year. These odds are new. Steve Nash opens up as the favorite at nine to one, Rick Carlisle, 10 to one, Monty Williams in Phoenix, 10 to one, Spo 12 to one, Brad Stevens, 12 to one, and Frank Vogel, the defending champion, also 12 to one. I think uh, Nash is the favorite. I think that makes sense. Um, you know, if you assume I, that, that just also relies a lot on Kyrie and Durant playing healthy. Now there's a, uh, there's an angle where those guys get hurt, and the team still does really well, and that's because of Steve Nash's coaching. That I think he kind of gets the he kind of gets the bump there. Um, other than that, I don't have any like strong like feel on someone to be coach of the year. Honestly, like I wish I had a super strong take. Um, I just don't like Doc Rivers and Philly. If they play really well, I can see that. But I feel like you also have to get to a a team where there wasn't this like giant uh, move by the general manager or something like a mm-hmm. bunch of players coming in that kind of disqualifies Nash to some extent. Maybe it is doc rivers. Cause they didn't make, they sent out talent, right? Like they just, they, in, they increased fit, but sent out talent. So if they can mm-hmm. climb to like third in the Eastern conference, maybe that does it. Right. I love the doc call. I think if they, cause you know, like we said, they underperformed so much last season that if he kind of comes in and all of a sudden they're the one or the two seed in the East and he gets the label as like the Embiid Simmons whisperer. I think that I really think that like the narrative could, could fall towards him. I, I really, I, I don't mind Nash being the favorite, honestly, just because one, everybody loves Steve Nash and two, it would kind of be like a Steve Kerr situation where, yeah, you're walking into like a ready-made situation, but if that team is as good as we think it can be and they win like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do the math. But like if they had the equivalent of like a 62 win season, I don't know. Like, I feel like he would almost get it by default. Right. It would be there'd be all this credit for like, man, he's managing these personalities so well. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, do you want to talk about are there any bets that you see for teams to reach or not reach the playoffs that really stick out to you? Like for for me as a Grizzlies pessimist, Grizzlies to miss the playoffs at minus 225 is free money. Um, yep. especially with Jaron Jackson out. Um, that That's one that just stuck out to me, like scrolling through the, the list. Also the Warriors to miss the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, plus 160. That's fine with me. Like, I would take that. I, w- I would take that just in the event that Steph Curry gets hurt. I think that that's a real possibility. Um, I, I think the, the margin for error with things like that is going to be so much lower this year, right? Where, you know, if, if a player misses four weeks, that's like 20 games. So yep. You know, it's it's it, that's something to keep an eye on, you know, as far as guys who have been injury risks in the past. 
I mean, one thing that stood out to me is that OKC has the same odds to miss the playoffs as the Lakers do to make the playoffs, like plus minus 10,000. Uh, so those are viewed as like absolute stone cold locks on, on both ends. Other than that, I mean, it for the most part, I thought it felt just about right. You know, a lot of the really bad teams, there's not a lot of value in, in betting that they won't make the playoffs. You know, like Detroit is Detroit's only nine to one to make the playoffs, but they're 20 to one to not make the playoffs. Right. I would almost rather back on the Pistons making the playoffs in that case, because yeah, right. if they if they if Blake and Derek Rose stay healthy and they stay on the team, they add Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and like rookies like DeLon Wright. Mm-hmm. They kind of have a team now, weirdly. The other one I like is the Pelicans at minus 175 to miss the playoffs. I, yeah. I don't I don't understand the Pelicans hype. I feel like they got worse. I think they got worse, too. The more I look at that depth chart, it's it's hard to look at. Like it just their implied it, win total is like seven wins higher than what they were on pace for last year. Where, yeah. is, where are these coming from? They definitely got worse. Like they've bled so like Stephen Adams and Zion. There's no spacing on this team. Like I don't know. Melly is not even that good. Reddick is another year older. It's yeah. just awkward. What do you think of the Hawks? Uh, you know, kind of being in the minus to make the playoffs. Minus one twenty two to make the playoffs. Plus one hundred to miss. I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm a, I, I, I'm pretty high on the, the Hawks this year. I mean, it's going to be a big jump for them. They won 20 games last year, 47 losses. But a lot of that, they, John Collins was out for 25 plus. He had the 25 game suspension. They played really well when he was on the court. Um, I think the signings they got make sense. Capella is going to be a huge help for them. Um, I'm fine with them being a minus to make the playoffs, honestly. Oh, well, that could be factoring into the, 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 you know, when they get Harden, obviously that'll change things a little yeah. bit. I, I assume Vegas is in on that. Yeah. Other than that, I, um, it's, it's pretty tough for me to, to pick out any that, that I really love. I mean, I would, I would definitely bet against the Kings making the playoffs, but you're not getting a lot of value there. That's, that's minus 625. How, how do you feel about the, so this is division winner, mm. the, Portland Trailblazers at plus 350 to win the Northwest. And that would be over the Nuggets, Jazz, Timberwolves, Thunder. That's decent sure. value. Three to one, four to one, basically, on the Trailblazers to win the division. I don't know yeah. what a, there there are no other bets. I think, I mean, Dallas minus 225 to win the Southwest. Is that a lock? Rockets, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Spurs? I mean, it should be. Yeah, I, I I do like that quite a bit. Um, again, though, I just feel like, you know, like the, there's just so many risks as far as, you know, if the player gets COVID, you're out a week, you're basically out two weeks minimum. Um, I think that's going to throw things off. But it, it's also hard to pinpoint who those players are. You know, it could be LeBron James or it could be Samaj Christian. You know, like it, <laughs> I, it really there's no possible way of, of knowing how that's going to work. Uh, I, I think in a similar vein, Miami at, at minus 360 to win the Southeast should be a lock. Yep. I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, let's see. We'll have to save the player futures uh, for, for a future episode. But we, I will I will ask you real quickly uh, as a wrap-up. Leading scorer next season, James Harden is still the heavy favorite at plus 125. I feel like because he's such a heavy favorite that you're getting good value on a lot of other players. Doncic yes. at plus 650. Lillard at plus 650. Westbrook at plus 900, not even horrible. Um, you know, like Tatum is at plus 5,000. Will you be shocked if he averaged 30 a game? At, for 50 to one, not at all. Nothing would shock Right. Me. That's what I mean. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.